Welcome to Cloud Insiders, the podcast that brings cloud down to earth. Today we're joined by Sunny Dewar from VMware and Simon Eady from Extrovert. Glad to have you both with us. A pleasure. So today we're going to be talking about cloud management um, within today's IT organizations, the importance of cloud management, along with some of the tools and key players in this sector. Before we get started, um, Sunny, could you introduce yourself quickly with a bit of a background on what you do? Sure, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Sunny and I work for VMware within the Cloud Management Business Unit. I've been around with VMware for close to eight years now, and uh, I've been working in the enterprise IT segment for close to 13 years now. Today, uh, I would be happy to join uh, Simon and you, Sam, to talk about cloud management and my experiences around it. So thank you for having me. Excellent. And Simon? Yeah, so I'm uh, Simon Eady. I work uh, currently for Extrovert as a senior consultant. I've been there uh, two and a half years. Uh, I've been doing IT for the better part of 20 years. Um, the last sort of six or so years has been very VMware virtualization focused. Um, more predominantly, a lot of VROPs work in the last year or so. Excellent. Thanks, guys. So let's get started. Um, what is cloud management and why is it important? I'll give it a stab uh, at it since I belong to the cloud management business unit. <laughs> so uh, I, I think if you look at the traditional world of IT, management is one of the areas which is not evolved over a period of time. It's the area where people still look at uh, things in a more proactive way as compared to, oh, sorry, a reactive way as compared to a proactive way. And when I say management, it's about monitoring, it's about uh, making sure your lights are on and making sure that you're giving services to your business, uh, which you're supposed to as an IT organization. But if you, if you look at the concept of cloud computing, it always dictates that you should have more agility and you should have scalability. At the same time, you should have uptime and availability with security and all these uh, beautiful bells and whistles, uh, which which basically make cloud service more agile. Now, if we do not go ahead and transform the way we monitor IT or manage IT from a traditional world perspective to a cloud perspective, then it really will bring down or diminish the returns which you should get uh, in a cloud platform or a cloud environment. And hence, uh, it's very important that we kind of transform from where we were from a cloud from a management perspective and move towards cloud management for getting the returns which we expect from a cloud system okay is Simon is your opinion on that relatively sort of similar or you, if you've got a different pretty view? much I mean as Sonny was saying it, it, certainly in the past it, it was often more of an afterthought you know they, they wanted to get the the piece of IT working and the, perhaps the monitoring or the management of it or any products that did that really well didn't always get a fair share of the budget. And now with cloud existing and, and being as agile as it is and the demands and people expect stuff to happen very, very quickly, uh, monitoring tools are are very much catching up or have caught up. But with your management tools, they, they've got to be capable of uh, handling that, the, the ability to be agile and I say that word, uh, you know, to be flexible and, and quick, not just react, uh, as Sonny was saying, but also be able to predict. So, you know, tell you, by the way, in a week's time, you, you may have this issue because of all this information that I've got for you. Um, and it obviously depends on the products that you've got, but the, the whole management side of that thing should get an awful lot more focus. Okay. So so you both mentioned 
obviously traditional IT management systems. Do you see, where do you see cloud management fitting in? Is it a separate sort of product in itself or can they kind of work side by side with each other? So if you if you look at uh, traditional IT systems uh, and kind of go back 15 years from now, you would you would really when you look at a data center, uh, it's a really silo piece of machinery. And when I say that, uh, I, I'm kind of pushing towards the physical world where each application or maybe a couple of applications had their own home to live on. So they were having their own piece of hardware, their own connected storage and everything was kind of dedicated to them, right? Uh, so if you, if you look at from a cloud admin or an administrator perspective who's managing the, that piece of hardware and the application, they would know where to go and what to do in order to fix a particular problem which might they might face with that application. But uh, uh, 15 years fast forward, we, we see that things have changed completely. The applications are no longer tied to physical hardware. In fact, uh, with microservices, you can see that uh, they're no longer tied to OS as well. And things are pretty loosely coupled across the entire data center. And hence, uh, what happens uh, is that you'll not be able to get the visibility which you had 15 years ago uh, in today's world. And that's where the difference between traditional IT as well as modern IT is, where it's important for a CIO at the high level and for the IT admin at the junior level and everybody in between to have visibility into what their job is and what they're managing or running or protecting on a day-to-day basis. And that visibility is key to cloud management. Okay, thank you. So are some of those sort of with the, with the whole um, application no longer being tied down and, and apps not being siloed anymore, are they some of the market factors sort of driving this adoption? Are you, are you seeing any other things sort of making cloud management sort of up there on the horizon? I think leading on from what Sonny was saying, I mean, the old approaches just aren't valid anymore. I mean, they, they might work with legacy infrastructure and sure, there's still quite a lot of that banging around. But, you know, if you look at virtualization, it's treating what were servers and, and it's putting lots of those together and they're a pool of things that your applications or virtual machines can live on. And they're moving around all the time, particularly in large enterprise scale clouds, or if you're using public clouds there to keep a handle on where that stuff is, what it's doing and why it's doing it. You need a tool that's appropriate or you need a, appropriate cloud management tools to do that job. It's a completely different world from what it was uh, as you're saying, 15 years ago, everybody had, I suppose spreadsheets, you know, once you put in that that server in the rack and it was your that was your domain controller and this server here, that's my SQL server. Those days are more or less dead. I know the the futurologists would be like, yeah, that was gone years ago, but you've still got people doing P to V's now. But in essence, though, that's not how people are doing anything anymore. So the tools that used to accommodate for that are no longer valid and everything has evolved to be able to manage the private cloud, your hybrid cloud and your public cloud. Yep, and, and I just, just wanted to add to that is that so me and Simon being focused on uh, operations, we are just talking about day two here, and we've not even touched about uh, management as a day one concept, mm-hmm. management as a day zero concept. Uh, we know that provisioning is one of the biggest pieces of management, and, uh, and that's what uh, has completely changed in cloud, which was 
So something which used to take months for getting a piece of hardware and then installing operating system on it, hardening it, and getting it ready for an application owner is uh, literally taking a few minutes now. And uh, it, it's no longer it's no longer a marketing gimmick as well, as we all know, right? We, we see that organizations uh, are provisioning virtual machines on, on in, in minutes, and they're getting it ready with all and everything. Or I've seen customers having 50 to 60 different workflows kicking in and automating everything. And literally in an hour or so, the application guy gets what he needs. And most of the times, he already has his... Uh, basic middleware, middleware database tools installed on that piece of hardware or piece of server. Now, if you think about uh, moving from three months to 30 minutes uh, kind of a time frame, that's a huge, huge transformation. And from a provisioning standpoint, it's important that people start looking at or people start, if, if they really want to adopt cloud, and manage it appropriately, they start looking at automating their processes and getting where they want to be from a time to uh, market perspective. And that's where right from provisioning on day zero to management or operating on day two, everything in between is cloud management for me. And as Simon mentioned, it is pretty much uh, running side by side with traditional IT. And uh, there are transformations and movements happening from old environments to new environments. And that's how all these IT projects, which I've participated in in the past 10 years or so, are running. Simon, do you agree around sort of the whole cloud management is more than just the looking after the, of the kit? It's, it's literally from, from day zero, before you've even provisioned it, you need to sort of have a handle on what you're doing, where you're going, and, and how, how you're approaching those things. Absolutely. I mean, that there are many tools and cloud offerings, uh, you know, from Microsoft, VMware, you know, you've, you've got the OpenStack options, Google, Amazon. There, there are plenty of choices to do this this work, and some of them will do the automation bits for you, and some people want to do the automation themselves depending on their size and their needs and requirements. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one one thing that, that is important, though, is while you've got the D0 and the day one, it, it's also kind of circular in my head that, you know, once you've got up and running and, and you start to grow, you need that day two to then feed back to the day zero when you're provisioning new hardware because you've got a better handle. If you've got the appropriate cloud management tool software approach, you'll you'll understand all the information and you'll have it on at your fingertips and say, right, I know exactly what I need for my next growth period or whatever it might be. And, and that just goes round and round. And the better you handle it, the more accurate it goes. And that just leads to, you know, things like the bottom line. You know, you make savings here, you're getting better use out of your equipment, your, your customers are happier, all those things. It's just a big win, really. Yeah, so it's, it's, no, it's no, no longer just a case of making sure things are on. It's, it's the whole life cycle, isn't it? It's, it's making sure the capacity is there, how to plan for the future, that kind of stuff. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, and kind of, we're just not talking about uh, infrastructure in silo. We're talking about the entire life cycle. And just to and which which includes capacity, performance, availability, configuration, and so on and so forth. And uh, just to add to Simon's point, uh, when he mentioned that uh, we go ahead and feedback from what we learn into day zero, so that we can make our processes better. I think that's the, those are the golden words right there. I remember talking to a customer, and his number one agenda, uh, being the VP of IT, was to create fail fast solutions. And I was like, what, what do you mean by that? 
And fail fast was a term which he used literally every day in every email of his or every conversation or every meeting. And his only idea was that do not uh, wait for things to move. Do not wait for building large, uh, you know, monolithic systems. It's always better to create a minimal viable product and then use that to go ahead and learn out of uh, what, what you're doing. And that will help you create a better product. And uh, that's how large enterprise IT organizations today are adopting methodologies such as Agile and uh, and Scrum and using them to actually build uh, cloud management. Because literally, uh, you might get a tool from VMware or Microsoft or from Amazon from a public cloud perspective, but that's all technology. You still need to weave in people and processes uh, which you currently have and probably which you will transform over a period of time into the whole story for you to be successful with cloud management. So you've mentioned large enterprise IT organizations. Are they the only clients looking at cloud management or is this a broader spectrum in, in terms of the, the people who are using it? Uh, that's a good question. I think certainly my experience, um, a lot of the tools would allude to being very enterprise, you know, they perhaps the size of them or the complexity of them would, I suppose, insinuate that, that, you know, it's just enterprise or large scale compute, but a lot of smaller customers, uh, I say smaller, I just mean in size, perhaps the, the number of users that they have or, or just the, sh the sheer size of, of the, the business itself being quite small in comparison, they want to have enterprise capable tools because their demands, their users have the same expectations as, you know, the users in a bank. Uh, so my experience has been, yeah, okay. It might not be as complex because of the size, but the expectation and the, the feature sets and the capabilities, people are expecting that at, uh, at the small business, medium and enterprise scale. So I've seen it at all levels so far. Yep, I, I, I can kind of agree with you, Simon. Uh, especially when, when startups are trying to compete with large giants, uh, it, it's it's basically both both of, both of them have a benefit. The large giants have already figured out or kind of figured out what their cloud strategy is, and these startups have the opportunity to go and choose these public cloud offerings available uh, with different vendors and kind of get on par with uh, what the large giants are doing. Now, in both these processes, you would see that even the small organizations are trying to make sure that they have some IT footprint uh, within their systems because they want to go ahead and start build more reliability into their services. And at the same time, when you look at these large organizations that we were discussing, they are making sure that uh, they also have a foot in the door of a cloud provider, in, in certain case, multiple cloud providers. Uh, and that's just to make sure that they can mitigate the risk uh, and make sure that uh, they, they are able to utilize or test all these services based on uh, based on their requirements. And if they have a piece of business which requires them to move really fast, and then they look at these public cloud offerings as well and try to adopt them as soon as possible. Now, what this brings on the table is complexity. And I do want to talk about that um, even before you ask the next question, uh, is because now we're looking at small organizations, lar large organizations, on-private, public, hybrid, and management has now moved kind of out of your office and it's moved into multiple different 
locations, multiple different clouds, multiple different services that you're getting from various different vendors. And some of those services are home, homegrown as well. Now to go ahead and manage all this is I think the next biggest opportunity which is out there from a cloud management perspective. What do you think, Simon? Yeah, I think that there hasn't, um, I, I say this loosely, I don't think anyone yet has completely cracked the ability to a, a single product that can do it all, uh, or at least I'm not aware of one yet. Uh, there are lots of tools out there that are very capable uh, and they mm -hmm. hook into many, but yeah, that, that I suppose you could look at it as a holy grail if, if, you know, if cloud management and monitoring and all of that is really your cup of tea, then that that's a big important factor, especially, you know, if you have a, I'm going to say medium to enterprise where you have, you have a significant private cloud where there's investment and that's not going away anytime soon. You've already looked in a using hybrid cloud and you also have, you know, public cloud areas where you're using, you know, Amazon, Google or, or Azure for different things as well. The, the ability to know where everything is, what it's doing, how much it's costing you, you know, where would it be better placed? You know, is it is it actually good that you've placed those VMs? You know, the developers have placed them there. Would it be better if they mm -hmm. were over here? You know, those are questions that you can answer with good tools and good cloud management. Just because you, you put it there in the first place doesn't mean that's where it's best served for everybody. You know, you'll you'll get these silos of people who, who will have put stuff where they think is best. And if you've got a tool that's able to give you a rational you know, say, right, okay, you're, it needs this amount of compute with this amount of flexibility. Yeah, this is kind of doing it, but if you put it here, it's going to be really good. That That's awesome. That's the kind of thing that you, you want. Yep, artificial intelligence kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, those are, those are the top priorities of any customer you walk into today, uh, especially the ones who've kind of matured in this area, for sure. I agree. Well, that's great guys so in terms of these tools that are available so until we get to this this holy grail and it does it all what ones are around at the moment that we can use oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that comes to a tooling discussion but uh, to be honest i mean uh, as, as simon mentioned right there is no single solution which does this today but the, the good news from uh and i can speak for vmware uh is that we are kind of we've kind of already uh, crack the cord in terms of kind of laying down the foundation of what are the key services which would be used by in the end state of when, when everything comes together for customers. And those key services, uh, well, have been, um, there are tools available to look at those today from a perspective of individual silos. Uh, the last, last, last year's VMware kind of announced our, our cross-cloud capabilities and uh, products around that. Uh, though we, we were just talking about uh, technical preview and we gave a preview of uh, this cross-cloud portal where you could actually log in and do multiple things uh, uh, on this particular portal. And this is kind of an essence of uh, bringing multiple different services together for you so that you can kind of consume them from a common API or a common portal. And that's where the world is going towards. And the one who is able to deliver this with the ease and with simple processes around those is the one who's going to be successful uh, in time to come. Uh, that is a little bit ahead of time at this moment. But coming back uh, to where we are today, uh, there are tools which can actually give that 
visibility on-premise and into cloud. And I'm fortunate enough to work on some of them. In fact, I've been working on Realize Operations Manager as one of the uh, platform tools which allows you to kind of switch in or switch off whenever you want and get connected to multiple data sources within your data center or outside your data center. And all this data is then uh, is what is required for any good analytics tool to go ahead and give you meaningful results or, or meaningful information or actions which Simon was just talking about. And then you club around uh, services of costing as well as discovery on top of it so that you can make all those intelligent decisions. So as, as Simon mentioned, uh, there's no uh, there's no single tool which does that today, but there are multiple combinations available uh, from VMware and other vendors as well, which can basically help you achieve that. And Simon, probably you can, you can speak about that uh, more. I don't want to kind of uh, yeah, that's my fine. Band. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I um, if it's not already apparent, I mean, I, I've also uh, been very heavily on VROPS. That's what I've got a lot of experience in. But those aren't the only products that are available, not not by a long shot. Um, I mean, you've got SolarWinds, Veeam have their their monitoring product called Veeam One. You now have uh, Turbonomics, uh, who've been around a good while, and uh, you've also got uh, Foglight. Um, and there there are other products out there as well. Those are by no means uh, a short list. That that's just the list that comes to mind. So it comes down to what you really want to achieve uh, in terms of of your monitoring and your management. VROPS is regarded as a heavyweight in there because it, it not only can it just plug into to everything vSphere and so on, but but it can do an awful lot more than that. <clears throat> One of the things I think that only I think only SolarWinds does it, but the dynamic thresholds, which which is you know a key selling point for VROPS for a long time, that's something that SolarWinds also does. If you want something that's in, more instantaneous in terms of metrics, then Veeam One is very good at that. Uh, Turbonomics, one of their key selling points was about being able to not just move workloads around, but pr do predictive moving around, which again, VROPS is, is very much doing now as well with their predictive DRS, which, which was released uh, last year. Uh, Foglight, I don't know so much about that product, but it's, it's been in the field for a very long time and it's got a good reputation. So really, if, you, if you're going to be entering the marketplace and thinking, right, I need a tool that, that's going to do what I need it to do, you really need to look at those and as well as others and, and think, think to yourself, what is it you really need right now? You know, is it a ticketing type system? Do I need instant results? Do I need to predict my things? Do I need to move workloads? Do I need reports? Do I need dashboards? Is it for a knock? Loads and loads of questions and all these products have different strengths. But yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, okay, so by the yeah, looks of things, was a good answer. it was very good. <laughs> yeah, so, so by the looks of things, it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a complex thing, isn't it? Cloud management in itself. You've, you've given a few good examples of the questions you need to be asking your organization or yourself around the planning. What else do sort of companies need to start thinking about when they're, when they're looking at these cloud management products? So yeah, I would probably give a stab at that, and then Simon, you can add in. So I, I think uh, the a few mistakes which I have seen, uh, which customers do uh, around cloud management, is looking at short-term solutions. Is looking at uh, uh, use cases which they solve, which they want to solve right now. So that that's because somebody in the organization or line of business has asked for that, and they want to go ahead and make sure that they can execute those use cases as soon as possible. While time to market is important, 
it's very, very important for customers to understand that they need to write on certain tools or technologies which can actually help them build these frameworks of uh, cloud within the uh, organization, which, is, which we call on-premise or private cloud. And then they should be able to extend these frameworks in a simple fashion or manner to go ahead and uh, embrace the public cloud. Now, the reason that why this is important is because you are kind of taking the entire organization or at least the IT organization upside down when you're moving from a traditional physical world to virtual world. And then you're doing that again, all over again, when you're moving towards uh, automating through private cloud. Uh, and now you don't want to do that change again when you move on to the public cloud. Hence, if you have a right framework which is extensible in nature, it will help you to go ahead and adopt newer technologies as they are uh, released in the market. So that's my single biggest tip, that go ahead, look at long-term, think long-term, and also understand what kind of extensibility the platform you're choosing is providing, because that's very important. Uh, uh, we all hear from each organi IT organization today about the story of API first, and that's the story which kind of applies over here. Look at APIs and how open they are so that your systems can interact with uh, other systems which you may or may not have, but maybe your cloud provider has in the future. And that'll help you kind of weave the, uh, weave the entire, uh, entire environment uh, from your on-premise to public cloud together and kind of manage them uh, not from a single pane of glass because that's kind of a overused term, <laughs> but uh, easily, I would say. That's that's what my take is. Yeah, that's good. There's there a few other things I'm thinking of having come out of several years ago when I used to, we used to manage budgets rather than as a, as a consultant. Now, you know, you, you're going to be looking at a product if it's not already in your license pool. So if you have enterprise licensing with a vendor, often these tools are included in that. But if it's not, then obviously you have to sit down and think a little bit harder about what, what tools will fit. And sometimes it, it's, it's budget driven. So, you know, you need, uh, and I'll say this loosely, an enterprise type management product, uh, go and, you know, you get given instruction from the board, you know, go and find a tool that does the job and, and please don't make it too expensive. But aside from that, you know, which is more of a constraint, really it's not just a cost thing, but you need to be looking at what it is long-term the business is doing. So you want kind of going to be t telling people to suck eggs here, but, you know, you need to understand where the business is going. You know, are they taking on more and more uh, separate public cloud works or are they focused very much on the private cloud and that? If that's the case, then the tool obviously has to accommodate that. If it doesn't, well, it's not really worth its weight. In another complete different extreme, you've got people that have these tools and they're simply not using them or they're not aware that they have them uh, and to utilize the strength in them. Um, often, uh, we use VROPS as an example. It, it comes as a part of their, their license suite, the cloud suite. And I have been to many, many customers where it has been shelfware. And the reason I have come in is because they're like, yeah, we've, we've got this product. We've never really looked at it. Show us what it can do. You know, there's little or no awareness about what it's capable of. And then after a week with the customer, they're like, wow, why didn't we use this before? And that that's extremely common. As for the rationale behind why they decided to look at it, it could have been all manner of reasons. They could have had a serious outage. It might have been um, that they've got a new 
CTO, you know, you could write a list as to reasons why they want to look at a new management or monitoring platform, but there it is. You mentioned there around the whole people not being aware of it within their licensing agreements, that kind of stuff. Is that because it's quite a new thing still, the whole cloud management? Obviously, bigger organisations such as VMware have, have, have been working on tools for a while, and but you've, you've got your startups and your enterprises that it might be a completely new new thing to. Is, is that sort of quite a common thing? Is it is, is just such a, such a new area that people aren't aware of it? So uh, I think uh, what Simon mentioned is correct from a perspective of uh, the fact that mostly when when you buy a technology, the management piece of the technology is kind of plugged in uh, from any vendor today, right? The, you, you buy a car with a music system or you buy a Tesla, they will ensure that you have all the fancy tools in the world to go and manage your car. And, uh, and that's important, right? Uh, but think about it. Uh, you always manage uh, or you try to manage or troubleshoot or do anything which you have to do uh, from a perspective of uh, you know, saving yourself uh, if systems are down on day two, uh, not on day one. Now, that's where the majority of IT comes into picture. And uh, if you look at matured organizations today uh, who've gone through these uh, phases, they would have already chosen what they want to do and laid out processes and SLAs around uh, how they will perform or support IT systems on, on day two. And they also make sure that they have the tooling available for that. But when you move on from, from that side of the world to the small and medium businesses, they are more uh, worried about making sure that uh, they're able to go ahead and deliver IT to business as soon as possible because business cannot kind of suffer or wait and uh, they, they really want to go ahead and roll out services because they are startups and they want to make sure that they can capture as much market as possible and kind of build their reputation around around uh, their product. And uh, IT kind of becomes secondary thought for them, uh, which I, I, I which for me is, is absolutely the right approach because you should be worried about your own business rather than making IT your business, uh, which some of the large organizations have unfortunately done today. But that's that's the nature, right? That's the nature of the service which you build uh, for over a period of time. Now, that's why for the customers who are more focused on their business line, who are never worried about IT or very worried about uh, managing IT from day number one, but when they kind of get a setback from downtimes or failures in the data center is when they realize that uh, they need to make have more robust systems, uh, which could be giving them information around uh, uptimes, around performance, around capacity, because all these uh, problems or areas are not really exposed on day number one of using an IT system. <laughs> but as soon as you move into day number two and you actually start using the system, and start applying load on these systems, you see that there could be uh, issues, and that's when you start worrying about tooling. And uh, and the only advice which I would give to customers is that even before you start uh, thinking about building an application or an IT system, uh, you need to think about how would you support it if it fails. And uh, that's where the success would be. I mean, we, we can speak about a number of organizations who've closed uh, over a period of time because of uh, these IT downtimes. And they had fantastic products, they had 
uh, great market value, but uh, their IT could not support because of the fact that uh, they were not concentrating on on uh, making sure that they had systems which can help them predict failure and uh, help them solve issues uh, uh, when they happen as soon as possible. Uh, so that's that's my take on it. Uh, it's important, uh, however, it has been neglected as uh, as Simon mentioned before. I'm gonna. I'm going to tackle the the what types of businesses and the common mistakes thing in one one go here, which should be an interesting effort. So, typically, what I've seen is the the types of businesses that that are usually all over this are service providers, people who are providing services, uh, IT services to end users, whether they be businesses or um, uh, so so commercial as well as um, residential type things. You know, so it could just be you know your Facebook or whatever it might be those guys they're going to be on their monitoring game all the time because they're providing a service and they know the phone will be ringing and the emails will be will land faster uh, than they, they can believe if one of their systems goes offline so really as a service provider of any kind and i'm not just talking about traditional service providers you need to be on your game so not only do you want to know that there's an issue but you want to know that that issue is coming uh, and usually th these guys are have got a pretty good handle on that and they're always looking at ways of making that better. That's a conversation I've had many times with customers. Then you've got the sort of the next step back from that where you have businesses uh, in a private sense where they have adopted this methodology where the IT team are providing services to their internal users, whether they be developers or sales teams or, or managers, whatever they might be. Uh, and they've I suppose commoditize what they've got internally and they want to be able to deliver the best service they can. Therefore, they're looking at the demands, they're getting everything right. And I think that's a really healthy approach. Uh, and then you've, you've kind of got the final thing, which is more reactive, which, you know, is I think getting older and older in terms of that approach, because ultimately you, you just, your monitoring tools there tell you when something is either broken on fire or dead, and sometimes that's too late. And then there's a huge reliance on DR over proactive maintenance or, or, or being able to tackle the issue before it lands or, or or at least even having awareness of how something went down. So, you know, when they're doing a root cause analysis afterwards, uh, because not every tool is going to be able to find, uh, be able to predict a fault or an issue. But if you've got good enough tools that can say this went wrong because, but if you have no idea other than it went down, that's not going to help you. And it adds a huge risk and a question mark, and it just puts pressure and stress and so on. So uh, in terms of common mistakes and about all of that, the implementation of the tools has to suit your environment. You know, if you've got a very heavy customer driven environment where, you know, people are going to be aware of any kind of outage within seconds, then you need a tool that, that's going to be able to, to facilitate that. If things are a little bit more relaxed, then, you know, you can dial it back a bit. That's great. Thank you, Simon. So you, you, we're see, really we're seeing sort of organisations move into more of a, a proactive approach, aren't we, now, rather than sort of reactive where it has been? I think so. You're always going to get people dragging their heels because the, perhaps the, the understanding isn't there or the will isn't there, whatever you want to call it, disenfranchised uh, team members, all of the, pick any reason out of the hat. But ultimately, if you've got a tool in place that can help you keep an eye on your infrastructure and tell you, uh, you know, by the way, you know, the, the DevOps team have been 
recently or, or the developer team have been putting up loads of new SQL servers or lots of new servers and stuff, if you didn't have the tools to tell you this and then say in a week's time you're going to run out of space on your data stores or or you need more of this or it would be better placed there, you, you don't hit that wall and have no answers because at the end of the day, people are going to come straight to the IT you know, your table or you'll get a phone call and they say something's gone down or I can't provision anymore. Fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. And no one needs that drama. <laughs> Definitely. So, Sonny, just coming back to you before we approach the end, what are VMware doing within this area? How, how are they fixing things for us? <laughs> now, so, um, if you look at uh, VMware uh, around the virtualization market, of course, we were the first one to go ahead and do that. And, uh, and then, as I said in the beginning of our conversation, is as you move towards the virtual infrastructure, the complexity gains up. And, and as the complexity increases, you need to have uh, uh, tools which can help you or give you the visibility which uh, Simon was just mentioning. Uh, now, so that's the part of day two operations. Then there's a day zero and day one in which you need to go and provision faster, for better time to market, agility, et cetera. Now, over a period of time with with multiple acquisitions, which are, of course, inorganic and organic growth, VMware has this uh, huge portfolio, which basically allows you to kind of uh, look at what we discussed today uh, from, a, from a perspective of day zero provisioning and then going ahead and managing those workloads uh, and doing the entire life cycle so that you can go ahead and feed back into processes and improve them and then extend your capabilities out to third-party solutions, whether it's on-premise or in the cloud. Now, we, we kind of, in the cloud management business unit, we, we kind of work on uh, We Rely Suite, which is our flagship uh, suite of products, which includes uh, We Realize Automation, uh, We Realize Orchestrator, and CodeStream. Uh, and along with that, uh, the, from, a, from a provisioning standpoint and configuration management standpoint, and um, and from a perspective of operations, uh, we have the whole uh, realized operation suite, uh, which again allows you to go ahead and give you that day two capabilities around uh, performance management, capacity management, uh, alerting, uh, et cetera. And uh, as I mentioned in my earlier conversation, all these tools uh, are API driven, hence it's easy for us to go ahead and extend our services uh, either to go ahead and provision on solutions other than vSphere or VMware solutions, or go ahead and gather data and intelligent metrics uh, or logs. And I forgot mentioning about Log Insight, which again is, is a part of the VRF suite itself. And all these products basically are extensible for you to go ahead and reach out from a perspective of uh, provisioning and gather information from a perspective of day to uh, monitoring and capacity management, et cetera. So that's the kind of on-premise suite of products which we have. And uh, with, our, with our association with Amazon and uh, the uh, announcements which were made during VMworld uh, in Barcelona, we did talk about our services uh, which will be cross-cloud uh, capable, and these are all cloud management services. So uh, from an overall agenda perspective, uh, we currently are, if not at, uh, amongst the top, I would say, from a cloud management perspective. And from a futuristic approach, which is, which is kind of extensible to public cloud as well, 
But from a futuristic approach, uh, when people are able to adopt these multi-cloud uh, technologies or capabilities, then VMware is already looking into the direction of uh, making sure that we can provide you cross-cloud capabilities across the likes of uh, VMware and uh, IBM and Amazon so that you have a single API to go to and talk to to perform various services which we've discussed today. That's great, thank you. It sounds like VMware is covering quite a few corners there. <laughs> um, in terms of the future and trends, I know you've just mentioned cross-cloud, but what, what else do you see coming? So uh, I, from so the biggest thing which I see along with the cross-cloud services is uh, is microservices, uh, containers, uh, Docker, Kubernetes, vSphere uh, integrated containers, and the challenges around provisioning and monitoring those where basically you would see operations has to transform and help developers and where the whole concept of DevOps comes in and make sure that you're able to provision and manage your own kind of small environments that you're building up, whether it's within a virtual machine or inside a container, the visibility around uh, performance, capacity, configuration, availability is very important. And uh, whatever you had in the physical world kind of rolled down into the virtual infrastructure and became a little complex because you were kind of sharing resources. And now you're actually going and building microservices where you're running multiple applications in form of containers inside an operating system. So you're kind of kind of going down, right? I mean, if you remember, I've seen videos where uh, you start with uh, a spec of Atom and then it kind of zooms out and you can see the entire space and then it zooms in as well. And that's how IT is going as well. You kind of, you were in the physical world where you had a zoom, zoomed out approach or a view of the universe and now you're kind of zooming in and going inside to that super atom level. And, uh, and at all these levels, it's important that you're able to uh, provide the services which uh, the business owners or your customers accept, expect you to provide and that's, that's where I think the future is going. You go further down into the compute models and further down into the bits and bytes uh, and explore more around those. And you would need uh, to have visibility across all these different channels. And uh, that's where I think uh, we are heading. And, uh, and I think it's long-term, which is what I'm talking about, but I'm sure uh, we will see that in our lifetime. That's awesome. Simon, what about you? Do you see this, the same sort of things, especially from a consulting point of view? Absolutely. I think taking a step back and, and not looking at it purely from one vendor or another, any cloud management tool or suite uh, has to embrace the other tools and the other products out there. Uh, it, it's that or die or become irrelevant. You have to have, if you've, businesses have now got the, the ability and the flexibility to basically pick up a public cloud anytime they want. Private cloud's a little bit harder, but you know, many have mixed bags there as well and they need they, they don't want to have 10 different tools to do that they want to be able to ultimately have at least you know one or two tools uh, one stop shop whatever you want to call it where that can plug into all of the environments that they've chosen to invest in for their their reasons and purposes uh, and if you if your tool i suppose this is me sort of making a, a state in the ground because of, of talking to customers they want a tool that can talk to all of the public clouds that they they that they want to use, uh, all of the hybrid options, their 
their private cloud offerings so that they don't have to keep spending that money again and again and again on different tools or having to reinvest on another tool because that one does this one better or whatever. Uh, it's like embrace all of that options or your tool will just die. <laughs> I'll use VROPS as an example. It's the it's options and abilities to plug into the vast majority of stuff makes it a very strong contender. Other products I know are doing something similar. If you're not doing that and you're not having those plugins, those those options, APIs, whatever you want to call them, then yeah, it's how long before you become irrelevant. That, that's what I'm seeing from a customer demand point of view. And that's a requirement in terms of workloads that people are placing up there uh, for, for reasons. Every business has its different reasons, its business cases. There's no point trying to figure out why they're making those choices. If they've made those choices, they want to be able to monitor them. That's excellent. Thank you. Guys, we're going to... Um wrap up now and before we do did you want to sort of give a quick sort of introduction or, or background on your VROPS webinar series that you do? Sure uh, so I've been really lucky to have Simon or met Simon over Twitter we've never met uh, in person but he had a great idea around uh, going ahead and sharing whatever work we do with our customers uh, in the field through a webinar series on VROLIZE Operations Manager and that's what we started back uh, I, I, I think this was December 2015 when we were discussing this. And, That's right, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And I think January is when we started, 20th of Jan is when we started with our first episode of this year-long uh, series. And it's, it's, it's about educating customers. It's about telling them how uh, they can improve uh, or how they can utilize or their investments into Realize Operations Manager. And uh, we kind of took it the whole nine yards by not just going ahead and talking about uh, the product and the features and how they can be used, but also extending it to uh, physical or live demos, I should say, uh, with, with showcasing use cases being delivered uh, at the end of the day by VROPS. So, so that's what we did for, uh, for the entire series. And you want to find, you might want to talk about the 2017 and what are our plans around that. Yeah, just just uh, to to round off what Sonny was saying there as well. We were lucky enough to get um, some guests in as well. We had Ewan yep. and Vinith and a few others, which was awesome. You know, the, these were the SMEs in their respective areas and disciplines, and how it complemented VROPS and how they got the most from VROPS in that. Speaking about this year, we we. Are a little bit late, but there are reasons for that, which will become apparent at a later date. But um, uh, but we will be doing the webinar series carrying on this year, uh, and it'll be myself and Sonny and uh, other things, <laughs> without giving away too much. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Where can people find this this webinar series, and also how can we find out about you guys on Twitter and things like that? Yeah, so uh, we. We've been able to post all the episodes uh, on YouTube, and uh, an easier way to find this would be to go to Simon's blog or my blog. Uh, my blog is vexpress.blogspot.com, and I tweet on uh, my Twitter handle, which is Sunny underscore Dua. So, and Simon, you want to talk about your your blog? Yes. Yeah, so I, I share a blog with a colleague of mine, uh, Sam McGowan. The the blog is uh, definite.co.uk. Um, and my Twitter handle is at uh, Simon Edie. Um, if you, I'm generally on Twitter quite a lot. So if you wanted to reach out and poke me, then that's a great place. To <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, guys. Uh, that's been that's been awesome. And thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Bye bye.
brings us to the end of another episode of Cloud Insiders. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. And to find out more and access show notes and downloads, head over to cloudinsiders.fm. You can track us on Twitter at Cloud Insiders, and we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes. See you next time.